1: it's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: A warmer, friendly, low. Welcome to Love me, Las Vegas for Coast to Coast with myself, Greg hoops Spears, and now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, and... We've got a great podcast here, yes. In the second segment, we go out to the great state of Michigan. That is where we find our buddy Greg Waddell. He does great work over at the Field of 68. On top of that, doing tremendous work over at Sleepers Media. He also does the podcast, The Unscripted Podcast, which that is all based around mainly Michigan State basketball, which we're going to be diving into them quite a bit towards the end part of our chat with him. But we're going to be taking a look at the entirety of the Big Ten, sort of the differences between the haves and the have-nots, how open the conference might be. And on top of that, a sleeper team that they want to do a solid job in the transfer portal has one a little bit under the radar. We're going to be highlighting all that. And so much more in the second segment. We're going to be keeping it a two-part conversation. We did not want to sing a lot of news and notes of college basketball on Thursday. Many people were consumed by the fact that the NFL season has begun. So if you do ever have a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast. Because we have about two months until the, st- the start of the season winds up starting. We are getting lower on the news and notes, so we've got plenty of time to be able to kill and plenty of time for me to be able to help out with any questions that you've got going into the season. You've got one or two ways to be able to send. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters ZM. Yeah. Maybe it does not matter. As per usual, please send these into the timeline. And the other way, it is by an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast buy that five-star review. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but we did wind up having a great chat with Greg. So that is going to be coming up next right here on Coast to with myself, Greg. And now, a part of the Family Podcast.
3: on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. i hey, here a Las Vegas. We're going
2: to go see you live by yourself, Craig Gibbs Fears, and now part of the VEASAN Family Podcast, and it is great to be joined by our guests as we're being joined by Greg Waddell, a man that is out there in the Midwest part of the country, a man that... Much like myself, loves Big Ten College Basketball. He's over there at Sleepers Media, and I tell that he does quite a bit of work for the Field of 68. And along with that, for you guys that are fans of college football, he does a great job over there at the Field of 12 as well. And I know that there are many people that handicap both college basketball and college football. So Greg is your guy on the college football front of things. He's hosting a lot of shows over there at the Field of 12 right now. But also a man that is getting set for the upcoming college basketball season. You're able to follow Greg on Twitter at GWizzy12. And, Greg, it is good to get the Greg to Greg battery bag together. Thank you so much for
4: joining me. God, it feels so good. It feels like Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire in, like, 2006, <laughs> doesn't it? People on the West Coast need a Greg. That's why you go to Hawaii. That's why you're holding it down in Las Vegas. But then the people in the Midwest and these boring states who just husk corn for hours at a day need a Greg as well. That's the Greg that I can provide to these Big Ten folks. So it's great to be here, Greg. Thanks for having me on.
2: It is absolutely (laughs) tremendous to have you aboard. And you mentioned it. You are out there in the Midwest part of the country, and it's just always so intriguing to take a look at the Big Ten during the offseason because the one conference I always think is always the strangest when it comes to being able to take a look at it during the offseason, it is the Big Ten just because – We all know the style of play that is going to wind up being out there. You're going to have one or two teams that wind up deviating, like Nebraska in recent years has been that team that has been looking to push the tempo a little bit more, has been looking to zig while others have zagged, and, well, it's not gone well for them. That's very fair to say. But the one team that I just – the more that I take a look at them, the more that I wind up liking them during the offseason – It's Ohio State, one of the few teams in this conference that I feel like if Donna Rose will be solid job in the transfer portal... I will say when it comes to just the coaching staff in general, I feel like I've gotten a little bit more bearish on them in recent seasons. I think that the Oral Roberts loss might still be jading me a little bit on the front of Chris Holden, but I do take a look at Ohio State, the fact that they bring in Tanner Holden, the fact that they bring in Sean McNeil, Isaac Likely. We talk so much about these transfer portal classes that have been so solid, and. When you bring up top transfer portal classes in college basketball, I feel like Ohio State doesn't get the love that they deserve, and I do think that it could be a big year for these guys.
4: I think that's super fair. I've been sort of privately referring to Ohio State as Illinois light based on the way they approached this offseason. Like, I think they killed it in the portal. They just killed it with guys that are all third options on a great team to me rather than first options. And Illinois, like, that's kind of the pushback because there's more spotlight on them, right? Everybody loves Terrence Shannon. Everybody loves Matthew Meyer. But even with those guys, it's like, well, neither of them are first options on a great team. Well, that's what Ohio State's is to me. Like, they have a whole starting lineup built off the portal. But aren't all of them best as, like, a third, fourth guy? I don't really know. I What I do know is Chris Holtman is going to build solid winning teams. He's going to do that every single year. He's at Ohio State. He's going to do it through pulling in four stars and the occasional five star. And now he's going to do it with filling in the cracks in the portal. And that's definitely a competitive advantage in a conference where there are a lot of coaches who are not willing to go do the same thing in the portal. And at some point that's going to show up in the record column. I don't know if it's this year because I do think that team is missing the high end talent. But I do think, I mean, once again, they're going to be a lock for an NCAA tournament bid. They could easily
2: sneak into the top four, three, four, five range in this conference, and I won't be surprised at all. And I just think that it's so jumbled up at the top as well, because so many people are bringing up Indiana as being that number one team. And until I see it from the backcourt, I just cannot put Indiana as my number one team. I've got Illinois right now, personally. I do think that Indiana is a fair number two, but the difference between a team Like in Ohio State versus a Purdue, I think it's very, very slim. I think that Michigan is still going to be solid because you bring back Hunter Dickinson and I recognize you wind up losing quite a few pieces from that team that want to make the Sweet 16, but – Unlike a lot of schools in the Big Ten, there's been a very long track record of Michigan being able to make runs in the NCAA tournament. I believe it's now six straight Sweet 16 appearances, might actually be seven that they want to make. So it's not just Sean Howard, it's going back all the way to John line. These guys know what the heck they're doing when it comes to March. and. I just take a look at the entirety of the Big Ten, though, and would you put the difference between a team like a Michigan, that many people have at number three, to be that big versus Indiana? I don't think so. And then the difference from Michigan as compared to who we were just talking about in Iowa State, I think that's very small as well. And I take a look among all the power conferences. I think that you could wind up seeing the most volatility at the top as compared to any other conference of college basketball because teams one through five in the Big Ten, I don't think that there's much separating them.
4: Yeah, you're 100% right. It's because there's no elite teams in this conference. I'm willing to call it what it is. I am a Big Ten guy through and through. If you listen to anything we do on our sleepers page and our channel, like we we cover solely the Big Ten. We'll step outside and do national stuff, but like we're here to serve Big Ten fans and talk about Big Ten basketball. And this season, we have to call ourselves the Little Ten. We just have to like this is not going to be a good conference. There might be seven, eight teams that are decent. There might be seven, eight teams that are worthy of making the NCAA tournament. But I would be hard-pressed to say there's more than three teams that I can really squint and see making a Sweet 16 or beyond. And honestly, I don't know that I see beyond for anybody. I do think there's very clearly a tier, I guess, would be my pushback to your idea that, you know, there there's a lot of teams that aren't very far away from each other. I do think there's very clearly a, a an A-tier and then everybody else is in the B-tier. The A-tier to me is Indiana, it's Illinois, and it's Michigan. And it's not in that order for me either. I'd probably put Illinois one, just like you said. I think Indiana, if everything goes right, has the highest ceiling. Like if Xavier Johnson just forgets that he's Xavier Johnson for 40% of the games and plays like the guy he was in March, then to me, he is a guy who could be first team all Big Ten despite how bad he is in other games. TJD, to me, of the, the star stars in this conference, I don't have him at the top. I would much rather take Hunter Dickinson seven days out of the week over him. But he's a top three player in the conference for sure. And then you talk about that recruiting class with Huchifino, with Malik Renaud. Like, If just one of those guys becomes a 30-minute-a-game guy who you have to have on the floor, it's not hard to see why Indiana is getting some national love in a way that Michigan and Illinois aren't. But we can't act like that's a given thing at all. There are so many risks associated with this Indiana team. They deserve to be lumped in in the middle of that Tier A with Illinois and Michigan for me.
2: And I do think that it sort of comes down to the teams that you want mentioning a little bit earlier, being your top team seems that when it's all said and done, they're most likely going to be in the top 25. You've got your, shall we say three, maybe four teams that are competing for the NCAA tournament. And then you've got the teams like Nebraska. Penn State, Northwestern, not going to be making a lot of noise. The big hope for the Big Ten is that they don't embarrass themselves out of conference in that way. Those losses don't wind up looking as bad because we are going to see some of these teams wind up getting picked off by a Northwestern, get picked off via Nebraska. We want to see that last year where Nebraska, somehow, someway, at the end of the season, they wound up being able to rally and. I don't know whether they wound up getting like a big giant win one from the Kipper speech or what have you from Fred Hoiberg to close out the season, but they were actually very solid. But it happens every year in the Big Ten, as we do have Greg Waddell joining me on the podcast. He does amazing work over there at Sleepers Media, along the field of 68. But when it comes to those teams that they're sort of bottom tier, and I don't think by any means just this is a bunch that's going to be going to the NCAA tournament. But the more I look into Minnesota, the more I am intrigued by them. I like that they're bringing in Dawson Garcia, someone that two years ago I was at Marquette. He was very versatile, six foot eleven, shot threes. He was one of the top recruits from the state of Minnesota from the last few years. I'm not necessarily sure how that's going to be able to work out with Jameson Battle being on the floor at the same time, but I like it. Taylon Cooper is someone that comes in from Morehead State. I like what he was able to bring to the table for a team that a few years ago was able to make the NCAA tournament. So I do think that there's a little bit of upside with this Minnesota team. Once again, not a team that I think is going to be able to go to the NCAA tournament, but I think that Ben Johnson has done a great job of coaching. You know that night in and night out, you're going to be in for a battle when you wind up fighting against this Gophers team. Yeah,
4: 100%. When I was putting together the the top 25 off-season list rankings that we were doing with the field of 68 for a while, and I hope people like those, by the way. We got a lot of, of people that I think enjoyed them and responded and, and had serious conversations. Then we also had a lot of people that were like, Stop with the list, man. So I get it. There's a time and a place for everything. But uh, it was good offseason fodder for us. And when we were doing top 25 front court duos, which was – I think we did that for one – just one week in the summer. I advocated for Minnesota being in the top 20 because I really think that Dawson Garcia – Uh, And Jamison Battle is a top 20 talent duo at those positions. And I have no idea if they're going to stretch them down and play the three and the four next to a true center. If I were the coach of that team, I would try and play Dawson at the five. And I don't know what that means defensively or rebounding wise. But look, there's a lot of behemoths in the Big Ten that are plotting centers. And if you have to guard those two guys at the barn, Good luck with that. And I know Dawson Garcia did not work out at North Carolina at all last season. You asked North Carolina fans about him, and, um, you know, they, they would say him leaving the team had a big positive impact on the team. I still think there's a hell of a player in there. You don't do what he did in flashes as a freshman at Marquette without having, honestly, NBA upside in there. And I hope that in a, in a team where, you know, you can put up some numbers as a very talented individual – whether or not the, the win column reflects that, you could have a Marcus Carr type season or a Jameson battle season like last year. I think it's a great fit for Dawson. So they are a team to me that as a, you know, as a fan of a team like Michigan, who's projected in the top three in this conference, I do not want to play Minnesota. Like it, it, I look at schedules and how we're going to factor into who could actually win this conference. And comparatively, like a team that gets to play Northwestern twice or Nebraska twice... Versus having to play Minnesota twice is a big difference. Minnesota can steal one, if not two. They stole one from Michigan last year. uh, And I think they'll do that to a lot of good teams again this season.
2: I do think that Minnesota, year number two under Ben Johnson, they're going to be able to find their sea legs a little bit more. And I just still remember, I think it was a game against Rutgers last year where they were running six deep. They wound up having two of their starters out. And they still wound up being able to win that game. This is a tough team. They're a team that they're lacking a little bit of talent, but they're going to be incredibly tough. And what else I think is going to be very fascinating about the Big Ten this season is that we did wind up seeing one big coaching change wind up happening with Maryland. They wind up bringing in Kevin Willard. It was a very strange year last year for Maryland because they wound up having Danny Manning as the interim coach for much of the season. So you just didn't know what to expect night in and night out from Maryland. Now they've got a little bit more stability with Kevin Willard, who I will say... Wound up having quite a bit of success over there at Seton Hall. But I just don't know if things are going to be able to stack up in general for Maryland, just naturally when you do wind up having a coaching change. No question you wind up having guys wind up leaving via the transfer portal. And no bachelor, someone I think as a freshman, is going to be able to have a relatively solid season. Six foot six, a little bit of a combo player. He's able to pop a few threes that Donald Carey winds coming in from Georgetown. But I take a look at this Maryland bunch, and I think that they're out of all the teams that I'm taking a look at in the Big Ten, the biggest question mark to me because I do see a path forward for them being relatively okay. But I was talking about how you've got a lot of teams that are towards the bottom of the Big Ten, like Penn State. I just don't know how they went at competing at all. When you're bringing in someone like an Andrew Funk from Bucknell to be one of your primary scorers, you're just not in a good spot. When it comes to having to go up against teams like Michigan, Purdue, you're able to go down the list. But I do take a look at this Maryland team and – I'm not sure when it comes to the Big Ten what teams are the biggest question marks for you, but I just take a look at this Maryland team and I don't know necessarily what we're going to get out of them this season. Yeah, I
4: think you're spot on. And I don't mean to disrespect Kevin Willard too much, but uh, I believe that Maryland, all they did with this hire is rewind the clock about a decade and wipe their fans' brains, erased (laughs) the history and hired Mark Turgeon again. Like, and honestly, Mark Turgeon to me, has been more successful in his career than Kevin Willard has. Uh, look, he, he put up a feisty team on the floor last year. Like, I, I enjoyed watching Seton Hall a ton last year. I said multiple times throughout the season, like, this is the team that my trust in them is going to shoot me in the face come March. Of course, it did immediately when the tournament started. And I knew it would as the season went on. I'm like, I can't shake what this team could be because I love their guards. I love Jared Roden. I loved them when they had Bryce Aiken. Obviously, he stopped uh, midseason and a lot of stuff was going on with that. I liked Kadari Richmond, but Kevin Willard's fine on paper. But at Maryland with that fan base, don't you have to win 24, 25 games and win a couple games in the tournament in order to have them happy? Like, Turgeon had great regular seasons at Maryland regularly and it was not enough. That fan base despised him for the last five years to the point that it built up in a season where they were a preseason top 10 team a lot of places. Within two weeks, he was ready to leave. That's a very tough position for even the best coaches in the world, let alone... A guy like Kevin Willard who hasn't won. Seton Hall fans, I think, are ecstatic that they got Shaheen Holloway in place of him. So I'm with you. I think, if anything, this is a transitional year. I'm weirdly rooting for Kevin Willard at Maryland because I really like him as a person. And I really like when Maryland's good for the Big Ten. Uh, but I don't see it with this roster at all. I, I think they're honestly a bottom four, bottom five team in this conference. I want to flip this and get your thoughts on this, though. A team for me that is the biggest question mark because I, I with Maryland – they're not a question mark. I think they're just bad. With Michigan State, though, I see massive question mark on this team. I can see this team being third, fourth in the Big Ten. I could see this team missing the NCAA tournament. And I don't know if you saw the schedule release from them, but they have the toughest non-conference schedule I have ever seen. And that's not hyperbole. That's like ISo does this a lot. Their first nine games of the season – Seven of them, they are going to be three, four, five-point at minimum underdogs. They play Gonzaga on a neutral, Kentucky on a neutral, three games in the Phil Knight Invitational at Notre Dame. Villanova comes to the Breslin, and there's no cupcakes in between that. That's a seven-game stretch from the second week of the season through the fourth week of the season. love Tom Izzo. I really do. He's one of the best coaches in the country, but their best player is A.J. Hogart this season, right? That's what everybody says. I don't know that I want to play that schedule if A.J. Hogarth's my best player. And I think, you know, even if they were a 500 team in the Big Ten, like they've been the last three seasons, that's going to put them on the outside looking in come the NCAA tournament. So I'd love your thoughts on Michigan State.
2: I think it's going to be pretty brutal for them, man. The good news is if they wind up taking losses out of conference, it's not going to hurt them as much because you mentioned it. They're in that PK-85 tournament, so they get Alabama to start out with. You got to think that if they wind up going down to a seventh-place game and they play either like Portland or Portland State, they should be able to muster one win out of that. If they wind up going on 3 that would be a complete and utter calamity. But they wind up starting out the year with Northern Arizona, and then they play Gonzaga, Kentucky, Villanova, and then you wind up going to the PK-85 before you wind up routing it out with Notre Dame. Brown is a relatively easy team. But, I mean, the even the Oakland and the Buffalo games, they should be able to win those. But those are mid-majors that they've been able to have success in the past as well. And to your point, with Michigan State, they've got a lot of nice pieces. But they're that. They are pieces. They don't have necessarily that one guy that's able to come in there is able to really command things Gabe Brown was really their lone double-figure scorer last season, so that was a big issue for them. So I do have my question marks with Michigan State, and I think the big thing for them is – just being able to find that one guy that's able to step up, because if Michigan State can wind up finding a little bit of a go-to score, this is a team that has a cohesive unit. They're not too bad. They wind up playing some solid defense last year. A lot of people forget. They very nearly knocked off Duke in the NCAA tournament last season as well. But with that said, the reason why they wound up losing that game and the reason why I'm not bullish on them is that they don't have that one go-to score, and that's what they need to find.
4: And like you said, I, I think this is a team that is chippy. I think that they are feisty. I think they like each other. And those are the best Tom Izzo teams. But the best Tom Izzo teams have those qualities and also have two NBA players on them. This team doesn't have that. And I think... Maybe a year from now, we're looking at a Michigan State roster that could potentially be a top 10, top 5 team in the country with that great recruiting class coming in, but it's fascinating because I I just think they got the schedule wrong for one year. Let's delay this gauntlet one year. We don't need to throw Mati Sissoko and Jackson Kohler up against Oscar Shibwe and Drew Timmy back-to-back to to start the season, but that's exactly what they're doing.
2: Yeah, but I do think that that's going to be rather difficult, and hey, I mean, if Ty Walker can wind up being able to find a little bit of a jump shot, that would be helpful for this team as well. Someone that does a relatively solid job on the defensive side of things as well. I do think that he's going to be able to offer a little bit more in the backboard as well, relatively solid passer. But once again, where is that scoring going to come from? That is the big question. But the question to what we're all going to be getting in the big 10 this season, I know you guys over there at Sleepers Media along the field of 68, you are discussing that as well. You're getting set for what is going to be an absolutely amazing season. I know that you wind up doing the unscripted podcast as well. Mentioned it a little bit at the top as well. For those that love college football, you're a go-to guy, Greg. I know that you're doing some absolutely tremendous work. You wound up hitting a bunch of big parlays during college football season last season. So, well, the good people. No other able to follow you on social media and everything they've got going on in general. Oh,
4: I appreciate it, man. Yeah, once once hoop season gets here, follow Sleepers Media. That's where you'll be able to see all of our stuff. We're gonna try to get to a lot of Big Ten campuses this year and may do some road trip style vlogs of our experiences on that. So, looking forward to that. For now, football stuff, make sure to follow the field of 12 for sure. That's the football side of the field of 68. We got to get our followers up, man. We're like a a 10% fraction of where we're at with the hoop stuff. So if you like our basketball stuff and you listen to us, you would love our football stuff as well. Uh, And as you mentioned, at GWizzy12 for me, one of these weeks I'm going to hit a parlay for you, Greg.
2: I promise you that. Absolutely. And when it comes to college football season, it is terrific. And I know that you guys have – Quite a few former football players over there on the college football side of things as well, like Clint Sterner, I know, winds up making quite a few appearances. If I remember correctly, I think I saw Kevin Sullivan on a few of those (laughs) broadcasts as well. So there are some big names that wind up appearing on the field of 12, and I know that Greg does a lot of the hosting for them as well, and is doing an amazing job. It's going to be a great college football season. So Greg is following that. On the hoop side of things, he and Carter Elliott, they're a great one-two punch with all of their work as well, and it is always great to get a fellow Greg on the podcast. A big thanks to Greg Waddell for joining me right here on Coast to Coast Soup, now part of the Visa family, a podcast. And if you do like hearing from the Sign Podcast, Coast to Coast Sups, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GNR41. Keep in mind letters M they mean does that matter? As per usual, please just send these into the timeline the other way. It is in an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Friendly reminder, conference previews are still rolling on. The SoCon and the WAC are most likely going to be coming up next, and then we'll have the Sunbelt and the SWAC most likely a week or two from now, and then we wind up getting into the Power Conferences, and I'm coming at you guys every single day on this podcast. News and notes of college basketball along with these conference previews here in the offseason once we get in-season picks and analysis on every single game every single day, so I will chat at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.